Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? When are you guys going to learn? The more you indict, the more we unite. Facts. It's Trump 2024. We don't care. You heard me? We already made our mind up. You already know when the hood got your back. Man, they deep in the hood. Gangsters. Talking about Trump 2024, you heard me? Woo woo! Wah! Gangsters! The hood got this man back. I'm just trying to tell you. You heard me? And we ain't we ain't stupid, man. American people, man. We ain't we ain't all them talking about lockdowns and back when the mask and all that. You know, they got a new virus coming and it's gonna be man nobody don't care. Ain't fooling nobody no more with none of that. You know, new jack, man, nobody, nobody being fooled no more. We all the way up, you heard me? It's Trump 2024. That's what it's going to be, because we ain't having nothing else. From sea to shining sea. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Okay, hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio program is one of my favorite hours of the week because we get to have John Guandolo. He is our national security expert on the program. And remember, when you listen to him, you're speaking to a Marine. You're also speaking to a former federal agent who worked undercover for the FBI for years. This guy is an expert on the communist and jihadi threat in our country, and he joins us every single Friday at this hour. John, I first of all, welcome back. I want to know your thoughts on... On these five migrants, these five illegal invaders who beat the snot out of two New York Police Department cops and then gave them the middle finger as they bounced out of uh, whatever, no jail, right? And then got flown to California for free. How do you feel about that, sir? Well, great place to start the discussion. And I think that there's, uh, there's actually a lot of places we can go with it, but two places I'd like to focus. One, it's a reminder uh, that jihadis, which we know at least a few of these guys are based on where they're from and based on their background, it's highly likely these are uh, jihadis in this mix of these five. But regardless, uh, outside of the jihadi threat, adversaries of any kind, whether it's the guy robbing you on the street uh, or you know, somebody planning to, you know, rob a bank or whatever they're, you know, plotting a kidnapping. If the rules, if they know that the risk is so high of punishment or response, uh, we know that they don't do it. So, for instance, we have areas of the country where the right for citizens to keep and bear arms to defend their natural right you know, to, to exercise their natural right of self-defense, uh, crime is lower because people don't know, hey, if I go up to this person, am I going to get shot in the face if I pull a knife or a gun on them and threaten their life because I want their wallet? And it's the same way. When you treat like New York has and NYPD has, um, treat these people with kid gloves, this is the, the natural response. But this is also the response for decades 
thanks primarily to the Democrat Party, but also to Republicans who've failed to stand their ground and, and do anything about it, is police officers and police departments have been sued. Officers have been criminally prosecuted. And the media has gone after police departments and city council members supporting police when they actually do the right thing and kill bad people who are threatening to kill them. And uh, now we're at a point that's the intentional outcome of all of that, which is now you have two police officers that are likely very afraid to pull their weapon and, and kill these people even when their lives are in danger to defend themselves. And this is, we've been seeing this over the last uh, five years or so. It's getting much worse. But this, I think, is a result of all of that, the intentional, this is the key, these intentional lines of operation from people who are adversaries of liberty. Because part of creating the chaos they need uh, to destroy this country is by, you know, continuing to tie the arms of police officers behind their backs. Now, on the counter side to that, I think any officer who fails to defend himself out of fear of a policy or even prosecution should then quit. I agree. Because then you're not doing your job, and that's not fair to the community. Right. It's like the guy, the Justin Jones from the... the um... Tennessee House, right? He decides not to do the Pledge of Allegiance. He's not going to lead the chamber in the Pledge of Allegiance because he doesn't like the Republicans. Dude, if you don't understand the basics of what it means to be an American, get up, get out, move out now. I, I, I'm done, John. Yeah, and, and the thing is, with all of these issues, uh, and, and I, I go back to this, with what you're talking about with these police, this is about creating chaos, mm-hmm. right? Here are these, uh, you know, and yesterday we had this uh, member of Congress uh, say, you know, we can't use the word illegal when we're describing these migrants. Well, they're not migrants. They're criminals because they criminally entered the United States in violation of federal law. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that they did it with the assistance of the president of the United States and federal agencies doesn't make what they did any less criminal. And um, so the question is, and this is a, you know, what to do about it? What What is New York going to do? And what New York NYPD has demonstrated is they don't seem willing to actually deal with these people. And I know it's because they're afraid of lawsuits. And but, you know, you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago about, uh, you know, we have had in our society the idea that looters get shot on sight. And some people cringe when they hear that. The reason that this is important is because law and order isn't just a a phrase that we throw out. Civil society operates where people agree to behave in a certain way. And when a few don't, they get punished. When it becomes 30% of the population... Is, is running rapid. They yep. need they need the beatdown. Yep. They need a very harsh response to be reminded, just like you do with your children. You don't let your children run around spray nope. painting the walls of your house and setting your house on fire because you want them to express themselves. You know, and another there thing, has to be you're some right, level the, of 
discipline. There has to be consequences and it has to be known in advance and it has to be swift and strong enough. You know, we we also should be talking about Joe Biden's uh, senior director for Intel programs on the National Security Council. You've got some news about this. What's going on? Yeah, well, this is a longtime jihadi inside the government, a guy named Meher Al-Bitar. He was he worked with uh, Samantha Power, who was President Obama's national uh, uh, security on, yeah right right sorry no i get it <laughs> uh, but i get this it this guy was his his uh, her deputy uh, and he handled oddly enough israeli and palestinian affairs <laughs> and yet uh, he he is from gaza and is a palestinian which means uh, the chances of him number 1 not being hamas are zero. somewhere around zero yes. right and we have not found, I have not found in the last uh, 15 years, or uh, let's say 21 years, anyone in the government at this level that's not a jihadi who's a Muslim. And this guy falls into that category. So the chance of him not being a Hamas guy and not being a jihadi is zero. And of course, his affiliations and the support he gets from Hamas groups like the uh, American Task Force on Palestine openly supporting him and stuff just is, are more indicators. But yes, um, this is, this is a major problem. And it goes back to, uh, are we going to say that Mr. Obama and Mr. Biden and, uh, their senior staff are so dumb that they don't know it, or is this intentional? And I, at some point, and again, I think we're way past the point they're intentionally putting these people in positions of authority uh, because this is what they want. They believe Hamas is, uh, is their buddy, and they want Hamas to have their way in the United States. I, I can't find any other explanation for this. And then you have to ask, uh, how did this guy get a TS, a top-secret security clearance, which he has? Um, because that, once again, reflects that our vetting system by the Secret Service, by the FBI, uh, by others, uh, is completely broken. And that uh, the FBI is not doing their job, the White House isn't doing their job, but it's more, again, more than just they're not doing their job, they're intentionally putting these people in positions of authority. Do you believe that? Do you believe intentional or do you believe stupid? I don't no, believe. I, believe I don't believe. Yeah, I believe intentional. I, because it's I know all in, yeah. it's all. It's Obama, right? It's all Obama. Yes, I mean he's the one. Uh, quite frankly, he's the one running the sure. entire domestic hostile campaign. Yes, Mr. Obama. This is. has been in the works for years and years and years, and he greased this the minute he took office. So I I don't think this is a huge surprise. All right, in the next 30 seconds, John, tell everybody where you want to go with President Erdogan in Turkey, because this is interesting. Well, I think when when we come back from the break talking about this, um, just like, since we were just talking about it, Mr. Obama has said, if I had a third term, here's what I'd do. And he's describing what's happening right now. Uh, The the communists and the jihadi movements, they tell you what they're going to do, And I believe Erdogan is giving us a major red flag communication. And that's what about where he's headed and and, and the global jihad is headed. And I think it's important to pay attention. That's what we'll talk about. We come back from break. Thank you. I appreciate that. And for not 
making fun of my mispronunciation there. Thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back with national security expert John Guandolo right after this. All right, so it's important. Let's talk a little turkey right now. It is uh, a, a, a Important conversation to have with our national security expert, John Guandolo. John, open the door to this conversation because you're not the only one who's seeing the uh, the writing on the wall here with these jihadi opportunists. Go ahead. Yeah, so thank you. This is a really big deal, and I want to explain to your listeners and viewers why this matters to them. Uh, and I want to start by taking two, two to three minutes giving some background to sure. this. In, in the global Islamic Jihad, which of course is made up of the Islamic nations under the Organization of Islamic Conference, which is every Muslim nation at the head of state, which is the largest voting bloc in the United Nations, so every Muslim nation on earth, 56 nations and something they call the state of Palestine, 57 members in the OIC. You've got the military jihadi groups like al-Qaeda and Islamic State and Boko Haram and Hamas and Hezbollah and all the others. And you've got the Islamic movements, the suit-wearing jihadis of Muslim Brotherhood, Tabliki, Jamaat, Jamaati, Islami. And the reason I'm sharing this is because this they coordinate and they communicate. And if you know how they communicate and what they're actually saying, when they're saying it in the open, you can predict where this is going. And for bona fides, for, for your audience that doesn't know of my work, when I was at the DOD and working with Steve Coughlin, who had worked with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Pace, uh, and they put in DOD, we worked in a very unique group there. We were the only ones in the West that predicted and briefed the January 2011 Muslim Brotherhood Revolution in the in the uh, in the Middle East, and we briefed it to members of Congress three months before it happened. And I want to take like a minute or 90 seconds to run through a few of these things, which rolls right into this current thing with President Erdogan. So here are some of the things we saw which allowed us to predict. In July of 2010, uh, Al-Qaeda, in their Inspire magazine, which they publish in English in the United States, Al-Qaeda told the Muslim Brotherhood, get with the program. We have a new strategy, and it includes opening more overt fronts and more individual jihad. And what did we see? More open fronts, more groups that were being more confrontational with the government and with communities, and we saw a drastic increase in individual jihad in Europe and the United States. Um, in October, right, the Supreme Guide, came out and said at the end of, is end of September, beginning of October, and he said, we have to confront Islamic leaders who are not uh, obeying their command to wage jihad. So we knew the target would first be Islamic nations, not Western nations. Mm-hmm. And then, then we had Al-Azhar, the senior school of Islamic jurisprudence on the planet, published that offensive jihad, uh, a fatwa ruling on offensive jihad, uh, that it can be done in limited circumstances in the current situation, right? Then February 2011, we had the fall of the Egyptian government under Mubarak. We had the victory parade in Cairo with literally almost a million people out there and all of that. So my point is, 
you can predict it when you know how they're communicating. Well, you have the president of Turkey who, in our and my professional estimation, will be the caliph when the Islamic movement declares a caliphate. He's going to be the guy. And here he is making a speech saying, and I'm going to quote, our struggle did not end with the expelling of the enemy from our lands and throwing them into the sea from Ismir. And he's talking about the 1920, uh, 1920, uh, 1922 massacre in Smyrna, where the Greek population in that city uh, was massacred. It was eradicated by the Muslim Turks. And uh, he's talking about that, that Turkey and the Islamic world must never face the kind of thing they did when the Ottoman Empire collapsed. Mm-hmm. And so what is he saying? The, this is a turning of that the global Islamic movement, just like we saw in 2010, they are preparing for a new step forward in the, in the jihad. And Turkey, as we've been saying for years, is going to be the lead. And, and, and my final note here is, for people that don't know it, the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood, which for decades was controlled by the, quote, Palestinian wing, which is Hamas, turned the reins over in 2017 officially to the government of Turkey, to Erdogan. So in the United States today, these are all steps along the way, and now we have this. So we can expect to see uh, a strategic shift in what they're going to do and acceleration of their movement. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say this. You put a lot of things together for me. The puzzle was on the table. I did not even see the frame of it, but now I can see it. John Guandolo, thank you for what you do for us. I get emails all the time about you, sir. So stay safe, and I can't wait to have you back next week, sir. Our national security expert, John Guandolo. Quick timeout. When we come back on the Wendy Bell Radio program, little Fanny Willis, I got some sound from you for you from the Wayback Machine. It's super unfortunate for Fanny. It's great for us, and you will enjoy it next. This Fannie Willis story in Georgia keeps getting more and more interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Here's this CNN exclusive. Embattled Georgia prosecutor Willis will not recuse herself from Trump case amid affair allegations, comma. Sources say they need to come up with better lines. So boring. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis has no plans to step down from the Georgia election subversion case over allegations that she's having an affair with her lead prosecutor. A decision driven, in part, over concern that her departure would effectively end the case against Donald Trump and his multiple defendants. Sources familiar with the thinking inside the DA's office told CNN... Of course, you don't want to step aside. It's all about grandstanding. It isn't even about finding Donald Trump guilty. Honest to God. It's about bogging him down. It's about all of the lawyers. It's about draining him dry. It's about all of the lies. It's about impacting public opinion. It's about doing the January 6th primetime special. We've got all this information. We just need to sell it. 
Jazz hands. Is that so gross? The sprawling racketeering case still has no trial date. And Willis and her team are keenly aware that the window to go to trial before the 2024 election is rapidly shrinking. So let's just remember, before we flash back and we go back to 2020 when she was a candidate running for Fulton County District Attorney, and she was telling everybody she was the gal. I'm the one. I'm your girl. I don't believe in having sex with colleagues. I don't believe in lining my own pockets. We don't believe in corruption. We are good people. We will deliver good things. Remember, she is the woman who's accused of doing all of those things. Hiring a goofball who's a a divorce lawyer to be in charge of all the law, all of the lawyers on this prosecution of Donald Trump. A guy that she paid $650,000 to, who hid that money from his wife, tells she went after him in divorce proceedings. Whoops. Now she and he, Fanny and her guy, are going to be subpoenaed, been subpoenaed to testify. It ain't looking good for Ms. Willis, ladies and gentlemen, but she's got claws in. No, I will not go. I think it's important that we go back to 2020 to hear her profess her goodness. She would never do any of these terrible things that other people do. Listen. The district attorney's office in Fulton should be the beacon of the Southeast. It should be the absolute best office between Washington, D.C. and Miami. Mm. And right now what you have is a office of dysfunction and corruption, and we deserve better. And I am the right choice to improve it. Corruption, uh, Ms. Willis, that's a strong word uh, to level against the office that Paul Howard has run for nearly a quarter of a century. If he, if he gets reelected, it'd be more than 25 years. You have a DA sitting there that doesn't have the qualifications and the experience to do the job. What I can guarantee you is with my reputation, with my community ties, I am going to be able to attract the best and the brightest minds to that office. You're sitting with someone today that actually wants to make a difference because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees. Because they deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children because we deserve better oh ah that didn't land well did it oh i'm so sorry that sucks i hate that wayback machine i mean we try to scrub it when it's right oh fanny i'm i'm really sorry and you're gonna have to testify and you're probably gonna get yanked and the whole case is gonna blow up in your face and just look at just look at your buddy jack smith on the national level the federal level right his case in dc it's blown off. It's off the docket. Okay. You suck. We know you suck. There's a secondary audio soundbite I'd like you to hear. So you know, Corey, and it's unfortunate that you have black women who are in these positions. Remember, we don't want to check boxes, friends. But when the boxes are checked and those boxes break the law or do things that deserve investigation don't you ever call me a racist for saying what are we doing because america deserves better Corey bush apparently the ms defund the police talked to st louis missouri ask her constituents how safe they feel outside at night right defund the police they're all racist they're gunning for black people right but i must have my own private security i'm so important i get death threats all the time So she's accused of giving her husband 
who at the time was just, I suppose, a guy she was having sex with. Not in the Senate, though. <laughs> I mean, that's better for better for everybody. But, right, she's paying this dude who ends up being her husband tens of thousands of dollars. And it was from her campaign money. And people are saying, what's Cori Bush doing? Sure didn't take her long to win an election and settle in in Congress and start greasing her own palms. Well, let's hear what she had to say on the readout with Brock's girlfriend, Joy Reid. Here we go. So what was happening, um, there were a lot of issues with us retaining uh, just good, good staff. Mm -hmm. What was happening, we had, um, you know, we couldn't pay the uh, the big costs for security like some of my colleagues are able to do. Um, And so we we went with what we could afford. Um, It worked out for a while, but then we started having call offs, um, you know, uh, people just. Uh, just not showing up to work, people sleeping on the job. Um, And so it was very hard for me to have security when it was unreliable. And so what was happening was uh, Courtney (sighs) would fill in, he would volunteer. And sometimes he would even, you know, even when he was there and they were working, he would say, hey, you should be standing over here. You should be doing that. And so he was volunteering a lot of his time. And then we had someone who was kind of leading the group, Mm -hmm. uh, leading the team who, uh, couldn't could no longer do it one day just called and said i won't be back for three months right it left me in a position there was no way i could manage a security team plus the work that i was doing and so he was able to pick up that slack honest to god how much security do you freaking need right you get housing paid for you have your meals paid for you have your transportation paid for you get paid right and then you have access to congressional like discretionary funds And you just decide to pay for what exactly? And there's Joy Reid. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Diamond and Suck. That's right. Right. That's what Joy Reid is doing. Mm -hmm. Does that land for you guys? I just, we were strapped. We couldn't get people to show up. And we defunded the police so much that nobody wants to be a police officer. And I'm so important. I need protection. Death threats. So I had to pay this guy who I was banging. But now he's my husband. So it's okay. Okay. (laughs) okay every now and again ladies and gentlemen i feel a commitment to you where you deserve to know what's going on (laughs) but now here's the good news are you ready for that go You know, we talk a lot about educators on this program, usually not in a good way, and perhaps that is my fault. Good educators usually don't make headlines, and they should, because they are great. And you're going to hear from a woman. This is a, this is a teacher of a, of a class of students. And she decided to tell her class they were going to go on a trip. They were going to travel internationally. Many had never even left their neighborhoods, let alone been on a plane. And what she did in triggering their imaginations led to a very cool offer by an airline. Enjoy. You may walk to recess. At the Trinity Leadership School near Dallas, Sonia White's first graders were flying high. Come all the way back and walk. Because, as we first reported a few months ago, they had just taken an amazing field trip. Where are you going? Mexico. To Mexico. I love your outfit. It was my first time on a plane. We went inside a cloud. I saw the ocean. Is that your first time seeing the ocean? Mm Mm-hmm. At this point, you've got to be wondering, how could a school afford this? What kind of teacher does it take to fly a class of first graders to Mexico 
for a day. A very clever one. So just to be clear, you did not go to Mexico. We did not. You did not get on a plane. We did not. You never left the class. We did not. <laughs> what you're about to see is a testament to the power of imagination and the magic teachers have to harness it. Okay, let's find out. After Sonia's students told her their one wish was to fly on a plane, she went full throttle on the pretend. Um, boarding pass and your passport, please. Created travel documents for each child and then boarded them on their flight to Mexico. Okay, guys, we are now at 13,000 feet. You may take out a snack. We had a little turbulence. Boy, it did not scare me. But my friend Lorenzo had a rough landing. Really? What happened to him? He was like... <laughs> the buy-in really was remarkable. One of my students saw somebody that night and they said, what are you doing here? I thought you were in Mexico. And he said, yeah, we were. We got back at three. <laughs> and that's when I was like, they really think we went to Mexico. After we first told that story, Southwest Airlines invited the class to its Dallas headquarters to step inside a real plane. Welcome aboard. Experience tray tables and safety <laughs> cards and begin to wonder where in the world their imaginations might take them next. Did this fuel your desire for more travel? Yes. Do you know North Korea? Yeah, sure. Probably I do not want to go to next. <laughs> I guess even pretend flights come with travel warnings. Yes. Steve Hartman, On the Road, near Dallas. One of my all-time favorites. What a great, great story. You know, and I think the thing that we love so much about the good news is that it, this sort of stuff happens every single day. And if we focused, if we as a people clung to that a little bit more passionately, instead of all of the reasons why we are so against each other, could we possibly move that pendulum faster? I think so. All right, don't go anywhere. I promise you it's terrible. I'm right out of the gates. It's, it's awful. And that's why you have to be a part of Bad Joke Friday. It's next on the Wendy Bell Radio program. You know, we don't normally do this on the radio or on Newsmax, which is tuning in right now. We do this wonderful thing, a pet show on the weekends on the Wendy Bell Radio Network um, app. And we invite you along also on our Rumble page as we have world-renowned veterinarian Dr. Mike Hutchinson on. And you can join in and you can ask questions and you can be a part of this. And it's great to be with a guy who is so phenomenal. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. So tune in. That's Eastern time. Love to have you. All right. Without further ado, go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen. I just flew in from New York, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. <laughs> Anywho, welcome to the Comedy Club. Won't you give it up to Wendy and Brock for Bad Joke Friday? All right, Dr. Richard Rafferty from the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh. A drunk man walks into what, by the way, last week, I did. it was my mistake. I botched it last time. I'm sorry. My fault. I can't believe you admitted I, it. Absolutely my fault. I didn't get it because I was too dumb. I'm sorry. A drunk man walks into a bar through the front door. He asks for a beer. The bartender noticed he's really hammered and turns him away. 
Drunk guy walks back out the front door and around to the side of the building where he finds another entrance. He comes into the bar again. The bartender looks at him and says, buddy, I already told you. You're too drunk. You got to get out of here. Guy stumbles back out the side entrance. He then goes around the back where he finds another open door. He enters that door, goes up to the bar, and orders another beer. The bartender, super irritated now, says, Buddy, I've already told you I cannot serve you. You are too drunk. Please leave. The man starts to walk out the back door. When he stops, turns around and says, How many damn bars do you own in this town? Oh, <laughs> it was dumb, it was but I dumb. Deli- uh, but, but at I least le- you pulled it off I this did, time. I did, I did. I didn't botch it. Sorry, Doc. I'm going <laughs> to write a book about waterfowl. It'll be a documentary. Oh, jeez. Did you know why you've heard of Pop-Tarts but never Mom-Tarts? Oh, this is Kate's. <laughs> this is your wife's joke? Yes. Do you know why you've heard of Pop-Tarts but not Mom-Tarts? Because of the pastry, Archie. Archie. Oh. <laughs> I watched that pastry, Archie. And I, I gave you these before 9 o'clock. I didn't look. Uh, the neighbor's kid kept me up all night. Yelling and screaming. I finally had to let him go. Oh, my goodness. Has anyone heard uh, any good groundhog jokes? I keep hearing the same one over and over. The other day I bought a thesaurus, but when I got home and opened it, all the pages were blank. Hmm. Can't find the words to describe how angry I am. Why do you call a bee or what do you call a bee that comes from America? USB. I have no idea why. That's funny. USB. It's not. It's not. That's good. I just watched a documentary about beavers. Yes. It was the best damn show I ever saw. Of course it was. What (laughs) do you call shoes made out of banana peels? Slippers. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about the cheese that's been working out? (laughs) Dude shredded. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know thermometers are so smart? They have so many degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did the invisible man turn down the job offer? Uh-oh, why? He couldn't see himself doing it. <sighs> My friend Joe went on the Dolly Parton diet. I mean, it worked. It made Jolene, 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 Jolene. <sighs> I rescued a cow from a slaughterhouse today. Mm-hmm. I named it Jake from Stick Farm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> What what did the cat say when it answered the phone? Can you hear meow? Oh, gosh. I know, I know. A man in the grocery checkout line hands his basket to the cashier, who is a pretty young lady, as she rings him up. His meager bananas, apple, and a dozen eggs, she says to the man, you must be single. Man asks, wow, can you tell that just by looking at my purchase? Cashier replies, no, because you're ugly. <laughs> You must be sing- single because you're ugly. That's beautiful. My neighbor, uh, my neighborhood barber just got arrested for selling drugs. I've been his customer for four years, but I had no idea he was a barber. <laughs> what kind of, oh, you'll like this one. Okay. What kind of cars do deep sea divers drive? Hmm. Scuba roos. Wow. Wow. What did the elephant say to the naked man? It's cute, but can it pick up peanuts? <laughs> my wife just said you weren't even listening were you i thought that's a pretty weird way to start a conversation Mm. wow what is a tech person's favorite insect a spider because they are web developers oh god Mm -hmm. 
There are 30 cows in a pasture and 28 chickens. How many didn't? What? 10. 38. Thir- there's 30 cows, mm-hmm. 28 mm-hmm. chickens. How many ah. didn't? Wow. See, you that was more of a riddle yeah, than but a you joke. Need, I need like a whiteboard for that. Sally worked at the fertilizer plant. We never met, but Ma knew her. I don't know what that means. Manure. Ah. Ma knew her. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you butchered that one. You should what's put the it point in parentheses of, What's the point me? of giving these to you ahead oh, of time? Oh, shut up. I didn't read them. What has five toes but isn't your foot? Five toes but isn't your foot. I don't know. My foot. Viking Rudolph the Red looked out the window and he told his wife, looks like it's going to rain. His wife asks, how do you know? Because Rudolph the Red knows rain, dear. (laughs) For Valentine's Day, I bought my wife beads for an abacus. Oh. Yeah, it's the little things that count. (sighs) Why did the book go to the hospital? To have its appendix removed. See, you don't respond to me. You give me nothing. That, that was but bad. But you give me nothing. That was bad. I Why think... couldn't the Cyclops family get along? They couldn't see eye to eye. What do you call a hot dog on wheels? <laughs> I don't know. Fast food. I've got one. It's kind of long. Let's go. A politician running for office visits a small rural town and says to the mayor, I want to help you. What are your needs? Well, we have two basic needs, mayor replies. First, we have a hospital, but no doctor. Hearing this, the politician pulls out his phone and after speaking for a while, tells the mayor, don't worry, a doctor will be here soon. Now, what's the second problem? He says, well, we don't have cell phone reception. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now you laugh. The politician lied. Oh, now you laugh. That's rich. Feel my pain, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you back here Monday. Catch the Pet Show tomorrow. Peace.